a, it's a yeah, it really is a treat to have each of you here tonight with uh, with RUF. Um, welcome. If this is if you're still sort of new to this scene, um, we're really glad we're really glad that you're here and uh, that you've chosen to spend uh, your night with us. Uh, so thanks for coming out. Uh, my name is Jonathan. I am the campus minister with RUF. And uh, yeah, so um, if you have questions or uh, whoa. We've got our sale over here. Um, so yeah, it's good. It's good to be with you tonight. Uh, I'm gonna just echo a couple of things that Jess that Jess mentioned while I try and get my notes taped down here. Um, the Carlsbad trip. Highly recommend that you come. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, it's yeah. It's just gonna be a really sweet time of uh, spending time together. That's not um, you know not. Having to, oh golly, everything's going away. Let me get that piece of paper. All right, I'm gonna set the mic down while I get everything set up. Hang on. I'm good. All right. The wind just blows right across everything. Anyways, highly encourage the Carlsbad trip. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a really sweet time of, of fellowship. Um, I, yeah, we do require a negative COVID test for obvious reasons. I know that makes some of you uh, frustrated. Um, you know, you're, you're a little frustrated by that, but we just have to do it. Um, so if you're interested, um, please check that out. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and if money is a problem with that, if you can't afford it, come talk to me. We've got scholarships available for that, and uh, we can make that happen, too. Um, I heard great things about the worship night last night, or last week. Um, thanks to all of you who pivoted on that, and I couldn't be there. For those of you who are curious, my wife is fine. Uh, those of you who don't know, my wife was in the hospital last week. She's fine, um, but I was not going to be able to be at large group last week. So thanks for, uh, thanks for doing that. So... We're going to pick up where we left off last week um, with the, the book of Acts. If you've been with us, we've been studying the book of Acts and looking at pictures of how God is faithful to his church, his very early church, even in the midst of pretty overwhelming opposition. Um, that when there's opposition from inside and outside the church, God is faithful to his church. And if, it's ha- if it was true 2,000 years ago, um, we can trust and know that it is true today. And tonight we are going to look at really one of my favorite stories in the whole book of Acts because it is an unbelievable picture um, of how the most unlikely person, somebody who, you know, in the text says this person should never have been a follower of Jesus. The most unlikely person becomes a Christian. And uh, and we're going to see that uh, that no one, not us, not our friends, not our enemies, is outside of the reach of Jesus' love and why that's really great news. Um, So... If you have a Bible in front of you, um, turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, we're going to look at verses 26 through 40. And I'm going to read this. This is God's word. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and was reading from the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before the shears is silent, 
so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this to, who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and began with the scripture, to, and, told, and beginning with the scripture, told, he told him all the good news about Jesus. And as they came, and as they were coming along they, the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch. And, 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 oh, Philip and, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when he had come out of the water, the fear of the Lord buried Philip alone. And the eunuch saw him no more, and he went out rejoicing. And Philip found himself in Azotus, and he passed through. And, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Let me pray real quick. Lord in heaven, thank you uh, for the opportunity to come here tonight and to uh, sit in the beautiful uh, the outdoors and to see pretty lights and to see um, Christians and people exploring faith. Um, it's a treat for me, and I, I know it's a treat for others. Lord, I pray that as we look at your word here for the next few minutes, that your spirit would be with us, that your spirit would open the eyes of our hearts to see what, you're, what, what you are saying to us in 2021, and that we would be equipped to love you and love our neighbor. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I forgot to mention that as I'm talking up here tonight, if you have questions about what I'm saying, feel free to shoot me a text. My phone number is on your piece of paper. And then I will dialogue with those questions after, uh, after we're done looking at this piece of scripture. So uh, again, like I said, the, the, the big thing that this piece of text shows us tonight is how the most unlikely people, people who should never have come to know Jesus or follow Jesus, indeed do come to follow Jesus, and why that's good news for us. And so we're going to look at this actually in just two points tonight, just two points. First, we're going to look at the man who should never believe. And then second, we're going to look at the unbelievable news. The man who, wouldn't, who would never have believed and the unbelievably good news. So we're going to start here by looking at the man who should not have believed. And if you remember from a few weeks ago, um, when we were last looking at Acts, we, we were with Philip again, per you, uh, like we are now. And uh, we remember that Philip is a, uh, is a servant of the church. And so he had just finished preaching the gospel in an area of, of Samaria. And after he has finished Samaria, now he pivots. And an angel of the, of the Lord says, hey, well, I'm going to send you in a new direction. Go south. Go south out of Samaria and, and go towards Gaza. And so he starts to travel. And as he's traveling along, as our text tells us, he meets uh, a sort of unlikely fellow in an unlikely place. And so already from the very get-go, we can see that the Holy Spirit is working behind this whole situation, is setting this whole thing up, right? He, 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 the Holy Spirit first tells him, go south. And then he says, actually, you're going into a desert. And we know more than most that deserts are not where you meet people, right? Uh, you don't go into the middle of the BLM and, and expect to meet somebody. And yet, as he does that, he goes into the desert. He meets somebody. And Philip goes into a lot of detail to describe this person to us. And as he's describing him, uh, Luke telling us he, he, he's describing someone who is completely different is unlike any other Christian that's ever uh, existed up until this point. And so there should be an implicit question in our minds of what's going to happen? 
What is going to happen now that, this, that Philip is encountering somebody who is unlike any other person that we've encountered in our study of Acts to, up to this point? And can somebody this different be a Christian? Is it possible? Well, let's look and see how this person is so different. First, look at verse 27. Luke tells us he's an Ethiopian, and he's a eunuch, and he's a treasury official in the, in the queen of the, uh, of the Ethiopians. And so let's unpack this first a little bit. First, he's Ethiopian. The text tells us. Now, Ethiopia, uh, that's the word uh, for basically the, uh, the, the nation and the kingdom in Africa that is south of Egypt. It's south of Egypt. It's an African nation. And, it's, uh, and uh, it, it's, um, they're, they're ethnically and racially black, right? So uh, most of the people in, in uh, Jerusalem are not black. And so this person obviously is racially different. He's a different kind. He's a different person than anyone they've encountered that the Christians have encountered up to this point, which means he's probably also very culturally different. We've got cultural Jews, and all of a sudden, we have this Ethiopian man. So that probably brings with it all the differences that come with culture. He has a different language. He's dressed differently. His cultural attire is different. And so right off the bat, we experience this very well today. All of a sudden, these cultural walls are thrown up. These cultural and racial walls get thrown up. But that's not, it gets worse. The challenges here get even more stark. Second of all, he's a eunuch. This man is a eunuch. And eunuchs are basic, there were men who, same as today, are, they've been castrated. Um, they, they have been, they've been uh, castrated. And there's lots of reasons why this would have been done back then. Um, sometimes it was done to prisoners of war. Sometimes it was done for men who would be court officials. So quite literally, they would not be distracted. So they would um, just be better at their job. Um, and so all kinds of reasons for this. Um, but the, you know, one, of the, one of the important parts about going with this is that with castration, with being a eunuch, was a ton of ridicule. People mocked eunuchs. They were, the low, they were, they were, they were very low on the we appreciate you scale of society. And that was kind of across the board. And one of the main reasons for this is because, obviously, they were unable to have children. And back then, much of your social status was, can you continue, can you perpetuate your line, your family line? And so here's a man who is um, probably pretty ridiculed, um, that cannot have children. Uh, but also, eunuchs were seen as less, less masculine, um, they, they, because they couldn't have children, but just for all kinds of other reasons. We know that... Um, even today, that men who are, you know, who are, who are castrated for various reasons, they, their voices are higher. They don't have the muscular tone. So, so he just seems less masculine. He doesn't fit into the definitions of even a man that they would have had back then, right? So he would have been, this is a person who would have been sexually compromised in this culture. He wouldn't have fit in in his culture or really anywhere else. He was, a, I hesitate to use this term, but I'll use it. He was at least non-binary, right? He was at least non-binary. He doesn't fit in with the, with the normal sexual roles. And so, and Jews certainly understood this. In Jewish culture, eunuchs were not even allowed to go into the temple. So here's Philip, who's encountering this person. And, oh, and there's one more thing. He's a treasury secretary. He's a treasury secretary, so he has some political power. Philip is probably a lower middle class Jew. And so here, all of a sudden, think about this. Think about all the barriers that are coming up culturally, uh, racially, all these barriers. And, and, and the Holy Spirit is pointing Philip to this person. 
And so there's the, t- you know, the, the, the point is this, that Philip is a Jew. He's probably uncastrated. He's probably in lower socioeconomic ranks. And he meets this man who's black, who's African, who's castrated, who's probably richer than him. These two guys should not get along. They should not get along. They, you know, these are the kinds of men who they nod to each other and they keep walking. Racially, culturally, sexually, economically, politically, just huge gaps. And Philip has every reason to say, there is no way that this guy can be a Christian. There's no way. There's, there's no future for this guy in the Christian faith. He just doesn't fit the mold. And this happens to us all the time, right? This happens, at least it happens to me all the time. We have these preconceived notions about what a good Christian looks like, right? We have these ideas in our head. And we meet, what happens when we meet someone who's different from us? Maybe we're polite, we'll nod, but we'll keep walking. We'll just be like, nah, no. You know, we, we just kind of... And why is that? Why? Well, at least it's hard. It's, it's hard to talk to someone who's different from us. It's awkward. We don't share anything with them. We don't have shared experiences. We probably don't have a, a shared cultural background. And, and, uh, and I'm sure for Philip, I'm sh- I, I mean, I can imagine Philip sees this chariot coming and he's like, please, Lord, no, don't make me. No, Lord, no, don't make me talk to this guy. It, it would, I mean, that's, that's what I would have done. And yet, look what happens in verse 29. The Spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. And so, right there, the Holy Spirit is at work, indicating, hinting at Philip, hey, I'm going to start breaking down some barriers. I'm going to start breaking down some of your, con- your preconceptions about what a Christian is. And look what he says in verse, he, he goes over and he sees that this man, this eunuch, is reading a piece of the Bible, and he asks him, do you know what you're reading? And the guy says, well, frankly, I don't. And I could use some help if you're willing. So Philip, you know, we see here, he hops up in the chariot. And, and uh, in verse 35, he says he starts to explain what, what, what he's reading. And he says, he says, well, I'll, let me tell you about what's going on here. And he says, and we're going to look at this in a bit, what he, what he says. He says, he says it's, it, it's what you're reading is about Jesus. And he says, starting with this passage, he goes along and he tells them the whole story about who Jesus is and, and what he is. And evidently, he says something about baptism because the guy sees some water as they're going along. And he says, oh, well, I, I see this. Can I get in on this? Can I, can I join this, 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 this group of people following Jesus? Can I be baptized? And so what is baptism? Baptism is the initiation right into those who are following Jesus. And so right off the bat, we have this amazing, amazing picture of Somebody who we don't expect to become a Christian saying, hey, can I get in? I want to I be a Christian. Can I be baptized? And Philip baptizes him. The, unlike, the man who shouldn't have belonged, who, was on, who should have been on the outside, this text shows us gets welcomed in, gets brought in. Now, what does this show us? Well, I think it shows us this, it, that Luke is trying to break down the categories of who's in and who's out with the Christian faith. For all these reasons, this guy should not have been a Christian. He didn't fit the mold. Not a single one of Jesus' followers up until this point looked like this. All of the other followers of Jesus were lower class Jews. And all of a sudden, somebody who's different on literally every category becomes a Christian. And the Holy Spirit is very clear. He says, Philip, go south. Go into the desert. Talk to this person. Baptize him. 
What does this show us? I mean, it's obviously simple, but it needs to be said that anyone can be a Christian. Anyone can be a follower of Jesus Christ. Not, no religion, no culture, no sin issue, which all of us bring into who are our calculus of deciding. None of that matters, Luke is telling us. Anyone can be a Christian. And what's ironic about this is sometimes the people who need to hear this the most are the Christians. Sometimes the people who can be the most exclusive are the actual Christians. When I was growing up, um, being a Christian was still sort of considered a social a pro, like it was a good thing to put on your resume. And that's becoming increasingly and increasingly less true because people are more and more seeing Christians as exclusive, as bigoted, as racist, as judgmental, saying, well, you're not like us, so you can't sit with us. One of my favorite fictional stories is about this good Christian woman in quotes named Mrs. Turpin. And Mrs. Turpin is just the picture of what a good Christian looks like. She nods at people. She's polite. She carries on nice conversation. Um, she, uh, she, she's sweet. She's polite to people no matter what color they are. She listens to gospel music and she goes to church every week. Uh, she says in her own words that she's grateful for the little bit that she has. And yet one day at a dentist's office, she gets attacked by this girl who's a total white trash girl because the girl sees underneath Mrs. Turpin's facade and she sees that underneath all of it, all of her Christian gentility so-and-so, she's this judgmental, bigoted, racist Pharisee. And the rest of the story is Mrs. Turpin coming to terms with the fact with that her own exclusive prejudices are far greater than she expected. And that's the point of this story. I highly recommend you look at this story. It's called Revelation, and the author is Flannery O'Connor. And it's, a, it's an attack on how Christians can so easily throw up these pictures of who's supposed to be a Christian, and anybody who doesn't meet that is out. This story tonight devastates those preconditions that we have. And I know that on more days than not, I'm like Mrs. Turpin, frankly that I have these pictures in my head, curated prejudices of people who, God loves that kind of person, God can't possibly love that kind of person. Maybe from another angle, maybe, maybe tonight you feel like you don't fit the mold. You feel like you have an idea of what a Christian is, and you're like, I don't, I'm, that's not me. I don't measure up, I, that's not what I am. Maybe you're newer to the Christian faith or newer to the church or this is, this is a, even, even out here is a new environment for you. Studying the Bible, you look at this and you say, I, I still don't know entirely where all the books of the Bible are. How, how, how can I possibly be in this thing? Maybe you grew up in a Catholic home where religion was something that you did or, or the faith of your grandparents. Um, but and you never felt like you could call it on. Maybe you grew up in the church and you had this nagging feeling of this. If they really knew who I was, if they really knew what what I did, I, they wouldn't want me here. Whatever it is, I hope you see that this picture of this eunuch deconstructs all of the preconditions that we bring into who can be a follower of Jesus. There's something else here that's going on, too, that it's important to notice. I think this also, um, maybe, maybe you're the person who you think, I do fit the mold. 
I am, I am the kind of person, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. And if somebody doesn't look like me, then I don't know if they can be a Christian. And one of the oldest problems in the Christian faith that it's always faced from the beginning is that it con- t- consistently tends to exclude people who aren't like us for really arbitrary reasons. One of the big ones has always been race. In a couple of weeks, we're going to look at this and see how even the early church was excluding people based on race. But we do this on other things too, socioeconomic class. Oh, that person's, that person's lower than me. Oh, that person's so rich, he could never be a Christian. Or we do this on sexuality or political beliefs or their past life, whatever it is. We as Christians, we can be so quick to say they're not like me and my kind, and so that person can't possibly be a Christian. And it would have been so easy for Philip to do this to this eunuch. He's not like me. He can't follow Jesus. So I ask you the hard question, who, who is that for you? Who's the person, who's the kind of person that you look at and say, not them? Is it the progressive leftist? Is it the alt-right person who posts some pretty provocative posts online? Is it the, the person with skin color that's different from you? Is it the older person? Is it the ugly person? You have to do this work for yourself of, of tilling up your own heart and seeing where are the places where I try to make lines in the sand where the gospel is breaking down these lines. So that's the first thing we see here tonight is we see a man who shouldn't have believed coming to know Jesus. And so that brings us into our second point, which is the news that shouldn't have been believed, the news that shouldn't have been believed. And if, you're, if you've been paying attention up to this point, you should be asking, how is this possible? How is it possible that this following of Jesus thing, this gospel thing, this good news thing, can possibly welcome this huge array of all the spectrum of humanity that it has to offer? How, how can it do this? I, I mean, and that, it's this news that's just like, this is unbelievable news that it could possibly do this. And so we're going to look at that here, and we're going to look exactly at what Philip tells his Ethiopian eunuch friend. So let's look again at verses 32 through 35 and so he says the passage that he was reading was this like a sheep he was led to the slaughter like a lamb before its shears is silent so as he opens not his mouth in his humiliation justice was denied him who can describe his generation for his life was taken away from the earth now what's going on in here what's happening well the eunuch is reading one of the most famous passages in the entire old testament it's from isaiah 53 and in that book in isaiah 53 the, uh, the, the, the prophet Isaiah is anticipating and talking about this suffering servant person who will come and bear the entire sin of the entire world and bring peace and justice and prosperity to the whole world through his death. And Philip gets this. He understands that. He says, I understand that there's this person coming, but I don't know who he is. And Philip says, well, let me tell you. Let me tell you who he is. And so he, he tells him, the suffering servant it's Jesus. And he starts, let me, let me tell you what he did. Let me tell you what, 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 what Jesus did. He actually, he did die. But then he, he came back to life. And then he started this community of people who are, are, are trying to transform the world into a place of love and compassion and mercy and grace and peace. And do you want to get in on that? So Philip tells the eunuch, he, t- he says, this Jesus, he was brutally and shamefully executed. In, in the most painful and embarrassing way that a person could be killed. 
And when that, when that happens, he begins to welcome people into the family of God. And, and, and he says, let me tell you about the rest of Isaiah and, and more on that. He says, he was pierced, this servant, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. And so here's the facts that he tells, that, this, that Philip tells him. He says, our propensity to exclude others is far worse than we think. It's far worse than we think. It's not just a little character flaw. It's at the core, it's a failure to love our neighbors well. And Jesus said, Jesus said, the, the two most important things you can do are to love God with all your soul, body, strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And when you exclude others, you are failing to love your neighbors, and that is sin. And it deserves punishment. It deserves wrath. But you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, I'm going to take your sin from excluding others. I'm going to take the wrath on myself. I'm going to die. I'm going to be punished in your place so that you can love and begin to love others around you. And the unbelievable good news of the, of the gospel is that Jesus, this suffering lamb, accepts his sin onto himself. He bears the pain and the guilt of our sin. He bears the shame of our transgression. And when the eunuch understood that, when he understood how Jesus saves even him, the outsider and the sinner, he's like, I, I want to believe in this. He says, Jesus was cut off from the land of the living so that I can live with God forever. Yes, I'm in. The eunuch is understanding that this passage is pointing to something amazing and unbelievable that, 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 that is Jesus Christ. But strap in, it gets even better. Listen to this. This is amazing. It doesn't stop there. Three chapters later in Isaiah 56, three chapters after Isaiah 50, 53, it says this. I'm going to read this, because it's, it, but I want you to listen carefully because it's kind of long. This is Isaiah 56. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the say to the Lord, the Lord will surely separate me from my people. Listen to this. Let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. For, th for thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, to those who choose things that please me and hold fast to my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will make them an everlasting name and they shall not, that shall not be cut off. And foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him and love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy hill and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. Do you hear, do you hear what's going on here? Listen to what, this is amazing. Listen, pay attention to it. What does this mean? This means that the death of Jesus, the death of the suffering servant, deals with both our sin and our exclusion of, the other, of those unlike us. It welcomes in the excluded. The death of Jesus deals both with our sin problem of excluding and it welcomes in those who are excluded. And Isaiah is saying that because of God's love in Jesus, people who should not belong in the people of God get welcomed into the people of God. Foreigners become family. And he says it explicitly about eunuchs. What did he say? For eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose these things and hold fast to my covenant, I will give my house 
better than sons and daughters. Let not the eunuch say, I am a dry tree. How sweet is that? That a man who says, I can never have a family, gets a family. That a man who would say, I could never belong. I've always been a social outcast. Because of Jesus, this person can, can belong into a community. Because of the suffering servant. It's so cool. that the, and, 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 and so here, even now, in Acts 8, the anticipation of what the suffering servant would do is coming true now. A, this eunuch is the beginning of the completion of all of Isaiah's hopes of a new radical community. Of those who don't belong all of a sudden starting to belong. Of those who could never have sons and daughters having a family. What happens? The eunuch, he could never have a family, and yet what happens to him? He gets baptized. Baptism is the sign of inclusion into the family of God. That's incredible that somebody who should never have belonged gets welcomed into the family of God because of the power of the suffering servant. A castrated eunuch gets a family because of the suffering servant, Jesus Christ. And so we can have total trust that someplace in heaven, this eunuch has daughters and sons and friends and spiritual fathers. There's even a tradition that says that this man went back and took the, that took the gospel with him and planted the Ethiopian church, which is one of the oldest churches in the world today. 2,000 years of spiritual family from this man. How incredible is that? That's the power of this unbelievable gospel. And if it's true for this man, it's true for you. For those of you who say, I could never belong. The gospel cuts through all of those barriers and says you can belong into a family. You can belong to God himself. Salvation is for the Jew and the eunuch, for the nerd and the jock, for the black and for the white. For the Latino and for the, the Native American. For the rich and for the poor. For the straight and for the gay. Everyone. All of the barriers that we say you can't be a Christian. The suffering servant demolishes all of them. Anyone who trusts in Jesus as their savior is welcomed into this family. That is unbelievable news. What do we take away from this passage tonight? Well, a couple of things. First, none of us can say I don't belong. If God welcomes a black, castrated, rich man into his family, he can and does welcome you based on the love of Jesus. Second, none of us can say they don't belong. None of us can say they don't belong. If God would welcome a black, castrated, rich foreigner into his family, we must welcome anyone into his family. Third, we need to return to the core of the gospel. That's what this man read and believed, that Jesus Christ died for his sin. He says, I'm a great sinner who tends to exclude people even when I don't mean to, and Jesus saves great sinners like me. You are a great sinner who tends to exclude people who aren't like you, and Jesus saves great sinners. Crushing their sin rising from the dead. That's powerful news. It's unbelievable news that when we trust that, we become a community that, yeah, it's hard and messy, but we can be transformed into the kind of community that this city and this school so desperately need. So come with me, come with us as we try to believe this unbelievable news together.
Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, thanks for this story and for how it shows us your incredible love. Um, the way that you cut through our sin by your suffering servant and the way you cut through the barriers that we put up through your suffering servant. Lord, I pray that you would transform my heart, that you would transform the heart of anyone here who's listening, and that we would be touched, cut to the heart, warmed by this love, and that we would be changed by it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.